welcome, welcome to the Gray Area Podcast. And the special guest for today is my good friend, Kongman Lee. Did I say it right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I said it right. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, by the way, I usually only stream the uh, podcast on uh, cozy.tv slash Bryson Gray, but Kongman was like, why not do it on YouTube also? And I said, bump it, we'll do it on YouTube also. Uh, so I'm streaming, I'm streaming a lot, live streaming the second episode for y'all. But since I'm streaming on YouTube also, I have to say, God is good all the time. And can I get a God is good in the chat? Can I get a God is good in the chat, y'all? Do you think God is good, Common? Amen, all the time, man. All the time. That's what I'm talking about. And we can see the chat, by the way. We can see the YouTube chat. We can see the Facebook chat. We can see the cozy chat. Shout out to everybody. Hit the like button. And we're going to get this started. As you know, once this podcast is over, everything will be available on um, on on Spotify and Apple. Now let's get into it. Great area podcast. Let's get it. Yes, Connor sir. Lee, yes, ladies sir. and gentlemen, how are you doing, dude? I'm doing well, man. How long? How long was your drive? It's like two and a half hours. It wasn't bad. Two and a half, two and a half hours. Yeah, from Atlanta. It's only two and a half. Yeah. Was you going to hunt it? Well, I live on like the northwest side. Oh, okay, okay. How was everything with you, man? How's social media grind going? How are the events going? The social media is a grind, man. I mean, you you know this more than I do, but censorship, oh, censorship yeah. is pretty tough. Um, you can't tag me on Instagram, so that sucks. Um, I did make a backup. And then I got banned on TikTok. So I made a new TikTok, and then they banned me from posting literally <laughs> in like a week. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that is really tiring. But it's good. I think a lot of people are resonating with um, – what I have to say and just like the truth about what's, what's everything, what about everything going on. And I think a lot of people are just good to see another base, like a based Asian conservative <laughs> yeah. other than Vince Dow. <laughs> yeah, so, so true. So true. So what I want to get into for the first topic is a topic that I genuinely don't care about much, but um, it is a hot topic currently. And since you're here, Let's get into it. Have you seen the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation? Yeah, I've been commenting on the whole thing like the, <laughs> for the past two days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, I haven't seen your take on it yet, which is amazing. First off, do you think it was real or fake? Dude, I, I, I kept going back and forth because I was like, at first I was like, all right, no, it's, it's, it's real. It seemed like it was legit. You saw the uh, uncensored version from Australia and Japan. Thought it was real. Because Will Smith was angry and like the awkwardness you can feel is like tangible through the screen. Okay. And then I was like, all right, but like so many people are talking about it right now. Because I was live tweeting the Oscars because I really do care about film, film and entertainment. Although Hollywood is a bunch of degenerates. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're all satanic. But there are some good people in Hollywood, but for the most part, they're satanic. Uh, but like I still care about all that because I'm really like passionate about film and entertainment. So I was like still following the Oscars. I wasn't watching it, but I was following it and commenting on all the woke stuff and all the stupid stuff they're talking about the Florida uh, par- parents' rights and education bill. They're talking about Mitch McConnell for some reason. It was so stupid. But then no one really cared on Twitter, and I I was like each tweet I made was like 20, 30 likes. And then Will Smith smacked the crap out of Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then now everyone's talking about the Oscars. So I was like. Yo, I feel like it was staged because no one was talking about the Oscars. Yeah. And then as soon as this happens, all my tweets start to like get like crazy engagement. So I'm like, oh, frick, like I feel like it was staged. But then seeing everything after and all the reactions and what the Academy said and what other people did and 
Hollywood and all that stuff. I, I just feel like it was real because if you watch it even even in slow mo, mm-hmm. like because Chris Rock, if you look at a slow mo, he was like he was reacting to it, but he was stepping away a little bit. So Will didn't like hit his face here; he fit, hit it here, mm-hmm. like right here. That's where you heard the dud sound instead of the smack yeah. sound. So I think it was real. So um, my next question is, is: Let's just go with the fact that it's real. Yeah. What is your take on it? Because my take is 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 it's a double edged thing. So obviously Will Smith is a cuck. Uh, your wife has talked publicly about how you're not good in bed. She slept with people half your age, like probably younger than half your age. Um, and it seemed like he was laughing, but it seemed like she gave him that look like this. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. then he he said, "I, I got to go do something." Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, and then we got we get to the Chris Rock. My thing is, I don't think you should slap somebody for a joke. But in the same token, if you're going to tell jokes, you have to accept what come with that. Like when I go out and wear my loud gear, I accept that somebody can potentially get mad. But I'm always prepared because I got that blicky on me. You feel me? <laughs> so what? what, what's, what how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people talking about this. But basically, Will Smith is totally okay when, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, other guys are in his wife's mouth, but <laughs> the, the, the moment Chris Rock talks about his wife's hair and that comes out of his mouth, he gets mad. Anyways, um, yeah, like it's 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 really because I, I said this on Instagram and on Twitter that a lot of people, even like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I deeply respect, I do like her, um, was saying like, yeah, I don't approve of violence, but this was an alpha masculine move. So I'm I'm like I'm like happy that he protected her. I was like, no, this wasn't a masculine move because. First of all, he didn't protect his wife from being banged by 20-year-olds. Um, he didn't do that. But he also, like you said, he was laughing at first, right? Laughing. And he was laughing, and then you see the camera pan to Chris Rock, and then clearly, you know, J-Lo was mad, and then that's why he felt like he had to do something because I'm sure something in his mind, he was think- thinking something like, oh, frick, she already left me once and is already dissatisfied with me in this marriage already. I don't want to do that more. And then so he, like, had a lot of emotional turmoil and basically it was just a lot it was just like a burst of anger out of like pent-up emotion and just like a lot of baggage and wreckage from being a cuckold really um and allowing other men to sleep with his wife so that's why you know open marriages you know you know the left and culture at large in america they talk about how open marriages and polygamy and polyamory all these things are so good for you so liberating no it's not it like literally it has deep consequences in your mind in your body in your soul um, so yeah, that, that, those are my thoughts. And I thought it was hilarious, but at the same time, I think it does deep, deeply talk and show us like the realities and the results of, um, not keeping marriage between one man and one woman faithful to each other, loving each other, um, you know, bound together by Christ. So spe- speaking of that, well, speaking of that, I do have a question. What is your views? I don't know if it's too tough of a question is, you know, you just let me know. What is your views on same sex marriage? Speaking, uh, of speaking of marriage. That's not marriage, bro. Okay, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it, my boy, gang, gang. <laughs> but, but the question I was going to ask before that, though, I, you brought it up. The question I was going to ask before that, though, was um, about the Will Smith and Chris Watt situation. And, and I'm going to ask you this because this is my view. I've, saw, I've seen a lot of conservatives say the phrase, the violence is never the answer in response to this. And to be honest, I think that response is cringeworthy. And I'm going to tell you why. For one, it's not like he shot him, beat him to a pope, he slapped him, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how a lot of people grow grew up. I grew up, boys fight. That's literally, that's just that's, that's just what happens. I'm not approving of what Will Smith did because like I already said, he's a punk. You know what I'm saying? Especially in that situation. 
But saying that bias is never the answer is not even true because when I asked you how about the violence that uh that uh that that created this country that I love, 1776, that I repped in American Revolution, which I know about, um, my question is, how do you feel about the phrase violence is never the answer? And the reason I ask is if you ask them about 1776, then they'll give a caveat and tell you what type of violence they support. Mm-hmm. But when they say violence is never the answer, they don't add that caveat before then. Well, that's the that's why like I think conservatives don't really understand prudence and wisdom and understanding like what actually they believe. <laughs> and then so, like you said, like for example, if a man is raping a woman, right? Mm-hmm. She has every right to take a gun and be like, pop up, you know? Of course. That's violent. Mm-hmm. Is that justified? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he, if unfortunately he, she ends up killing him, um, and maybe not unfortunately, but um, that's justified. And she did kill him in that instance. But was that a sin? Was that wrong? No. No. Um, and so even like, oh, for example, if you're being invaded by, like, let's say we're invade, invaded by, I don't know, um, some gay European country, uh, we have every right to defend our borders and our families and everything like that. And so, in a sense, that's violence. And so I'm not saying that I condone violence in any way, and that instance didn't call for violence at all, right? Yeah, not, and so, not, not that instance. And this is what this is where like a masculinity really comes into play because. Um, as men, we want to be masculine. What does masculine masculinity look like? Is being strong protectors and providers, right, of women and children, but also knowing and understanding what you need to do and when you need to do things. So having prudence, having wisdom, having discernment. And then so, for example, if I have a younger sister, if someone, if, if I found out someone raped my younger sister, I'd beat that guy to a pulp. Like I don't care. Most people will say that's justified, absolutely, because of course, don't touch my sister. What the hell are you doing? Um, but if, if someone made a joke about me saying, uh, call me a chink or saying Kung flu, mm-hmm. I'm just laughing it off. I'm That's not, hilarious. I'm not going to beat someone up, uh, for saying certain words or making a joke. And I think those things are hilarious. Like I, and Chris Rock's joke wasn't even that bad. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even that it bad. Was, it, it wasn't. And like they, tr- they're treating like, um, J- Jada Smith as if she had like some like terminal cancer or something like, no, she has alopecia only like for a certain part of her head. It's not that big of a deal. I'm sure it's annoying and I'm sure it's hurtful to un- look at Jameer and you're like, oh, I don't I have hair in a certain part of my head. But it was a joke. It was a joke, period. A joke. Not only that, what I will say is, listen, uh, I condone righteous violence. And I'm going to tell you why. If you come in my house, you're getting shot. That is my first resort, not the last one. I'm not asking you questions. If you bring it to my house, you're getting shot off the rip. And I have guns everywhere. Just believe that. Um, secondly, if you attack me because you don't like the hat I wear, uh, I feel like you deserve to get shot. Because why would you attack a random guy? <laughs> That's because you disagree with his hat. You don't know what I have on me. And unfortunately, gun told Patriot, I have that thing on me. You feel me? So... You need to reap whatever that so. So, you know, I I, I, I could don't start violence. And I'm using the Bible for instance. When Peter cut the ear off uh, the person in front of Jesus, Jesus didn't tell him he sinned. Jesus didn't say, um, go throw the sword away and break the sword. No, Jesus said, put the sword back in your sheath, which is what they carry swords in. Swords in. So what does that tell me? That tells me the disciples always carried a sword. They had that blick on them. <laughs> they had the blick on them, bro. You feel me? But. Moving on, we have to get to the topic that you know I have to bring you here to discuss. The conservative movement. Mm -hmm. Where are we going? And do you feel like the conservative movement has been infiltrated by 
the LGBT. Yes. Um, I do want to address one thing. I'm seeing some people in the chat and saying, like, uh, who is this guy? He looks gay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yo. Ignore the chat. I'm, I'm going to address that real quick. Look, I'm Korean, all right? So this, this is the problem with, like, Americans. Like, you, it's, it's like, I just, this is just how I look. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? I can't grow a beard. I'm, I'm trying. Uh, my ancestors ate soy. Like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you, you just take it or leave it, man. And it, it's it's really interesting because a lot of people see, like, uh, Korean actors and men, and they're like, oh, they look so gay. And, yes, a lot of them are effeminate, but for the most part, actually, Korean men are very dominant, and they're very alpha. It's just that they're not super, like, buff, or they're not super hairy and all that stuff. So it's like... They look gay. And so I'm sorry that I look listen, this way. Listen, I don't think you said, but the only time I thought you was sus is when you posted that picture on Instagram. <laughs> all right, but that was for the ho- hey, Halloween. Hey, I know you said it was for Halloween. I read the caption, bro. But I was like, hey, yeah. I can't count with you. This was kind of sus. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. But that, that was a little sus. So, I, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll give that to you. But anyways, yes, um, let's talk about the conservative movement and yes, the LGBTQ. The conservative um, movement. Do you think it has been infiltrated? Not only by the LGBTQ, they just seem to have the strongest infiltration movement going. Well, they've infiltrated the strongest out of uh, like in every sphere of society. I know, and so, man, goodness gracious. Y- here's the thing: um, what I say and what you what you say and what most of us say, honestly, who are like authentically right wing conservatives, mm-hmm. it wasn't controversial ten years ago. No, seven years ago. Not even no, yeah, not not even seven years ago. And so we're at a point where these people have infiltrated every single institution and every single serious society, not only because our elites actually agree with this, but they see this as a way to implement the Great Reset, ESG, and to make us permanent slaves, and I don't want to be a slave to them. But, um, yeah, it's infiltrated the conservative movement, too, where I'm looking at it, and there's nothing conservative about the LGBTQ. Now, I know people who are gay. You know, like Dave Rubin, for example, I think he's a cool guy. I think he's an important figure in the con- culture culture war. But what he did with his husband um, and to literally rent out two women's wombs to grow babies, which they essentially purchased on a catalog. It's like really, 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 um, it's reprehensible. It's unacceptable. Um, So real quick, I want to point out, I don't think he has a husband. I think he has a partner in crime. That's what I call it. (laughs) Because they're defiling the marriage bed biblically. And um, so, like, me, I know people get used to it because the language is used to it. But me, anytime somebody, I didn't say anything to be Tato. Anytime somebody say this man has a husband, I have to stop you. Like, this is is not what he has. Mm -hmm. He has a partner in crime. (laughs) That's what that is. It's a partner in crime. And then as far as importance of the conservative movement, here go my thing. And I'm going to keep it a band, right? So... I don't think Dave Rubin is the gayest person in history, meaning he doesn't portray gayness. Like, he doesn't necessarily make his gayness his entire personality. Right, right. I uh, will give him that. But I think people's lifestyle and how they, inf- like, if you got influence and you pit your life in the public sphere, I feel like you are influencing people or grooming people. Mm-hmm. And when you pit your degenerate lifestyle out there to everybody. I feel like you are then potentially grooming people. I don't know. His fan base is probably a little older, I'm assuming. But if he has a bunch of young kids following him, now they, they he's putting it out there that this is okay. 
know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not even mad at Dave Rubin though, and I'm and I'm gonna tell you why. He's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. He's not. Why are we expecting Christian behavior from somebody who's blatantly not Christian? And he also never calls himself conservative. Either, and he so. never he calls himself a classical liberal. Mm-hmm. So you know him. I, I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at the comment section. Mm-hmm. Of the Christian conservatives that that self-identifies that supporting it. And I was very shocked when I seen you in the comment section. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you why I was shocked. Because you work with a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. So I do want to give you clear respect when you called it out on Twitter in front of everybody. I did not like I know you base, but a lot of people are based behind the scenes and they're based sometimes, but then when it's their friends or somebody they like, you know what I'm saying, or a colleague, they base this turn off. Mm-hmm. And you decided to come out and say something about it. Why is that? Well, it was really annoying because <laughs> I was on Twitter and everyone that I respected was congratulating them. And I was like one of the first people with a, like, I don't have a lot of followers, but it's like some sort of a platform to actually speak out against it. And here's the thing, like when I was first becoming conservative and waking up to everything, because I used to be liberal as most Asians um, are in this country, uh, at least millennials and Zoomers. Dave Rubin was really important because he had those conversations. So I appreciate his work. I appreciate what he's doing. Like you said, he doesn't flaunt the fact that he's gay. A lot of my friends didn't even know he was gay. And so I appreciate that about him. But what he did there um, wasn't acceptable. And I said, not only is this not acceptable, it's you're literally commodifying children and women. Um, They're literally not just people that you can just purchase off catalogs. And children should not be like purposely created to not have mothers. Like, that's the one of the worst things you can do to a child. And so, as a conservative and as a Christian, I just have to call it out. Because when we start to normalize the kind of behavior, then that's when things start going down. And, you know, society gets worse and the moral rot really deepens in this country. So, that's why I spoke out. Because I was like, you know what, this might be controversial. A lot of people will call me homophobic. They'll say that I'm so intolerant, um, that I'm trying to gatekeep conservatism and whatnot. But I was like, dude, you know, these children... It's not even like these children, you're saving these children from abortion. It's not like you're like saving them from the foster care system. Even then, there, there are enough normal couples uh, who, who are loving and godly who want to adopt kids in this country. Way so too not, many, actually. It's yeah, too many of them. Yeah, it's not, it's not like even if we had a shortage. If, we, if I had to choose, sure, like b- between a kid growing up in like a drug-riddled home where they're going to be like their mom's going to try to force them to take heroin versus Dave Rubin. I would take Dave Rubin. But Not me. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, that is just, it's just the lesser of two evils, right? Uh, but, but that's not even the situation here, right? They intentionally created children and are intentionally depriving them of maternal love. And you know that biologically and psychologically and emotionally that children need their mother, especially in the first few years of life. Um, and so that's why I spoke out because there's nothing conservative about that. There's nothing conservative about um, normalizing same-sex unions. There's nothing conservative about um, promoting surrogacy. And there's nothing, literally, there's nothing conservative or good about depriving children of m- maternal love. And I think every single right and good and moral person, um, you can all trace back to the fact that they had strong fathers and loving mothers. And that's like the key. That's the key. So my thing is, though, <clears throat> see, the difference between me and you is me, I pretty much, I don't really rock with a lot of these organizations mm-hmm. in the movement. So when I speak out, I'm just free. I'm a free bird. I can just 
do whatever I want. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I'm just, I'm like, who? I'm going to call you. But you do. So that's what made it shocking. You do. Did this affect any of your personal relationships um, with, with, with certain people? I'm not going to say no specific, like, organization names, but did this affect your relationship with anybody at all? Or did, did it not? Um, yeah, a few people were like, oh, like, this is why we lose the culture war. I'm like, no, the reason why we lose the culture war is because we adopt and we tolerate progressive ideologies. And, and that's why we lose because they go a mile and we're like, okay, we'll go an inch. And then they go two miles. And we're like, okay, we'll go a feet. And then before you know it, uh, conservatives, conservatives today are more liberal than the average Obama voter in 2008. Oh, period. Obama, um, Obama was a conservative compared to these people. He was right. He's a far right extremist in 2008 <laughs> yeah, compared to the, to the conservative movement today. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I had people who said that and they're like, oh my gosh, like this is why we lose. And I'm like, no, the reason why we lose is because we become the left and conservatism today is progressivism going to speed limit. Um, and so I had some people say that. Um, some people call me homophobic. Some people are saying that like, oh no, but I'm a constitutional conservative. And then to that, I said, well, literally the founding fathers did not, <laughs> did not, did not didn't start this country thinking that freedom looks like committing sodomy and literally renting out women's wombs and farming children Facts. to play daddy. They and said so, it. They said it. And so that's just the reality because again, like the people who hurt the most from all of this and all the progressive ideologies are our children. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jesus like is very, very protective of our children. He said in Matthew 18, let them come to me. And if you cause any of these little ones to stumble, it's better, better if you tie a millstone around your neck and drown. Talk to him, Carmen and, and it's like, this is Jesus we're talking about, right? And so, like, imagine if someone came up to you and said, you should tie a millstone around your neck and drown for what you did. That's how seriously Jesus and, like, our God really cares about our children. So then if that's the case, and then if every single one of these progressive ideologies are targeting our children and hurting our children, then why are we tolerating that as conservatives? And so... That's that's why I know you talk about this a lot, but John Adams said this that our constitution was made for more religious people, and he's talking about Christianity. Um, people say this wasn't a Christian nation. No, it was nine out of nine. Nine out of the thirteen first states had a state religion, and they were all a certain branch of Protestantism. That's what it was. Um, and so that's why also the people like I, I know a lot of base Catholics, and y'all are great, love you guys, but also this was a Protestant nation. So traditionally, this was a white Protestant nation. That's the reality of it. Uh, not saying you can't be a different kind of Christian, but uh, all to say, if you don't have Christianity, you don't have America. That's basically what it comes down to. Because, again, you don't have to be a Christian to be an American, but you have to understand that the moral framework that undergirds this country, our constitution, our system of self-governance, our school, our spheres of society, our communities, is the Christian ethic. The Bible. It's, it's the Bible. Everything from this country, country from the from the, the setup of our government, from the uh, Constitution, from anything is built around the Bible. That's reality. And what he's talking about, as I said in my first podcast, is uh, John Adams' letter to the Massachusetts militia in 1779. Um, so that's what you're talking about. Uh, but I do have a question, because you brought up Catholics, and obviously we're streaming on Cozy TV. Now, of course, you don't have to answer <laughs> the question. If you want, of course, because you know this is a dangerous one. This, this might be more dangerous than asking about the LGBT. What is your thoughts and views on Nick Fuentes? Nick Fuentes? You know, here's the thing. I think he is one of the most misunderstood and mischaracterized people. Um, because, for example, they call him a white supremacist. He's not a white supremacist. I've listened to his podcast. Like, I haven't actually listened to his show yet. 
Um, but I've listened to his podcast and his interviews uh, when he went on You Are Here and Slightly Offensive, and then recently on the I'm Doing Great pod- podcast with Gina and Mike. And I, what he honestly, what he says is 10, 15 years ago would not have been super controversial. True. But we just live in a society where the Overton window has shifted so far to the left that it's so like out of this world, apparently. But also, I think people have to understand that he's also like an entertainer. So he tries to int- intentionally like, pro- like be provocative. Which is fine, like that's what entertainers do, and then so a, a lot of his jokes are crass, a lot of his jokes are harsh. I get that, but what what a lot of what he stands for, like nationalism, um, the American identity, um, in terms of you know stopping all these foreign wars, being anti-war, weeding out all the corruption, protecting families, uh, protecting traditional marriage, all these things. It's like these are good things, and so I think. I know this probably looks really bad. <laughs> this is probably bad. And people are like, oh my gosh, you're, you're sympathizing with white supremacy. He's not a white supremacist. I've looked at his stuff. He does not believe in white supremacy. And the, re- and the, the his most controversial thing, I think, is interracial marriage. But even then, it's not that controversial. And here's why. The only time where it's controversial is when it's with white people. So true. My parents, right? I'm Korean. My parents tell me every single day, every single day, you got to marry a Korean. That, it, is that Korean supremacy? I don't know, I guess. Right, bro. but it's like, it's, is that racist? I, no, it's not racist. Bro, so, it's just about preference. So I grew up, and uh, we always had Asian friends. And the one thing the parents used to say is you can date somebody uh, white or Asian. That's it. That, that's what they said mm-hmm. to him growing up. And um, matter of fact, when I used, because <laughs> you know me, I just dealt with all types of women. And when I used to bring uh, a woman that wasn't black to the house, especially if they was white. Now, if they was like Hispanic or something, some of my family was going to get mad. But if I brought home a white woman, what? My grandma was like, boy, what you doing with that white girl? <laughs> Not for real. My, my grandmother was into the Louis Farrakhan types. You feel me? <laughs> so, it's, you know, it seems like it is only a problem when white people say it. Yeah. Why no, do you, why no, do you think it is? 100%. I mean, well, it's just because here's the reality. This country at its founding was a white Protestant country, right? And I know a lot of people will probably take this out of context and whatever, say I'm a white supremacist, I'm a white nationalist, I'm not. But the reality is, like many other countries, America at its founding had some sort of an ethnic slash racial identity, right? Mm-hmm. So I just go back to Korea because I'm a Korean. So for example, there's a new Korean president elected a couple weeks ago, and they're calling him the Korean Trump because he's conservative. Mm-hmm. And he wants to crack down on immigration, he wants to protect the borders, he wants to get rid of the Ministry of Gender Equality, he's super based. But he wants to protect the identity of the Korean people. Why? It's not. It's not to say that like if there's a, a black dude, op, you know, adopted from Africa or something, and he grows up, grows up in Korea, it's like he can't be Korean. That's, I'm not saying that. But the reality is, all nations have a certain identity, and their people have an identity, and and so that can be around a religion, that can be around a race, that can be around a language, a culture, a shared history. All these things matter. And and so when you go to Korea, right? When you see someone who's not Korean, someone who doesn't look like me, you're like, they don't really belong here. Not saying you should treat them differently, not saying that you should be racist against them, but you just instinctively know, like, oh, like, they're probably a tourist because they're not Korean. And that's not a bad thing as long as you don't treat them like crap. Mm -hmm. And then so in the reality is that this country at its founding in 1776 uh, was that kind of country uh, for white people. And so I, I'm saying this as a Korean, like I'm super grateful that I was able to immigrate here and appreciate what America has to say and what America has to give to me and my family. And also I don't see it as a, some sort of like, um, 
like economic endeavor, but I see it as my home. Like this is my home. That's why I became an American citizen. Um, but like the reality is like, that's what it was. And so it's like you said, it's only controversial. Like there's so many uh, black people that I know who say like, oh, you're a coon, you're a sellout if you marry a white white woman or a mm-hmm. white dude all the time. And I'm like, I mean, I don't agree with what you're saying because that's awful, but why don't you hold that same standard to when white people are like, I want to marry a white person. It's it's like double standards, like completely so hip- hypocritical, clear as day. And the biggest reason is, like I mentioned, is because this was a white nation. And then so a lot of the Marxists, a lot of the critical race theorists, a lot of the globalists, and those who want to subvert this country want to completely demonize white people because they want white people to be the scapegoat for their complete takeover of this country. Um, and so that's why they keep talking to white people. That's why they hate white people. Um, and even like with Will Smith, they were like, if you're not white, you can't talk about this. And these people so are true. getting I saw it. tens and hundreds of thousands of likes on Twitter. This is not a fringe ideology anymore. This is mainstream. And so for me, like I love all people. It doesn't matter their skin color. It doesn't matter where they come from. So then when I see that kind of racism, racism against white people, when I see that kind of racism against Asians and our emissions, um, I, I grieve for that. And I, I hate that. And I look at that and I'm really, really disgusted and I'm angry. Uh, but when it comes to interracial marriage, you know, every single culture does this. They're like, hey, like, stay within your group. And I used to, like, disagree with Nick with that until he hopped on Gina's podcast. And he said, I don't think it's a morally bad thing if you don't marry within your race. He's just like, I just prefer if you would marry within your race. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if you don't believe it's a moral wrong, that I don't disagree with you there. Because growing up, literally, even now, my parents are like, they, they don't even want me to marry a Chinese person. They're like, no, those Chinese people, they're dirty. <laughs> like, like, they want me to marry a Korean person. And obviously, they're joking about the dirty stuff. Like, they're not racist. But um, they, they make those jokes in light heart. But they do want me to marry a Korean person because it's important for them to preserve some sort of ethnic and national and, um, like, racial identity. So in terms of Nick Fuentes, that's what I believe. I, I do believe uh, he does go overboard sometimes with his jokes. Um, but ultimately, like what he says today is not shouldn't be controversial and the fact that it's controversial just shows just how deep the moral rot has gone in our country people are punks i tweeted this bring back bullying um listen sorry to vince Dow. i saw you with a chat um listen the reason i think we should bring back bullying bro is because it's kind of selfish i can't function correctly in society like this i can't i've always been a person that said what i wanted to say and for a very long time, it has been for Jesus' namesake. Mm-hmm. And this, listen, you know, in certain places, the stuff I say currently in certain countries, I can get, uh, I will get fined. I will be jailed. And if the Quality Act passed here, I think the same thing going to happen here. So I think we need to bring back bullying, stop raising soft punk kids, do something, put them out there, tell them to get into a few fights, tell them to punch somebody in the face for trying to bully them. We need to get, we, 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 we need to run that back. Okay, well, listen. Well, I, go ahead. I, go ahead. I don't think we should bring back bullying. I think one, we should start to like enforce discipline because most of the problems we see in society is people who are entitled. And so they haven't had their mother, especially their fathers, not discipline them. Right. Um, so there's one, but two, I think we can just sh- like ship them off to Afghanistan for like, <laughs> like two years. Like, no, no, I'm not even, like, I'm not even joking. Like if you like vote, <laughs> like if I was, if I was president, I would literally sign like an executive order. Like you have to serve like military time in a third world country for like a year to broaden your perspective and understand how good you have it in this country um, and then come back, right? And then so, because it's like these people have no perspective. They have no perspective whatsoever. They, they're so entitled to the point where it's like you say that, you know, they're 
gender ideology is completely fabricated, not based in any sort of material reality whatsoever. And then they start to try to deplatform you for hate speech. And now we can't even say man, you know, men are not women without being deplatformed on Twitter on Twitter. And so how do we get to this point? It's because we had we have entitled brats and people lacking completely in gratitude and had parents, especially parents, boomers and millennials, like Gen Xers, like completely failed with this, not caring for children. And this is why feminism also is destroying the family because women are working and they're having other women raise their own children or other men raise their own children. So then what happens as a result? Women, here's the thing, like I love all my women, but women are wired to be more caring and nurturing and it's a good thing. And the men are wired to be more like, like straight cut, hardworking, all that stuff. And the women are hardworking, don't get me wrong. But if you come home from a long work day, it's more likely that a woman's more tired than a man is. And then so when they come home, pick up their kid from day- daycare, they, they can't even, they don't even have time to bond with their kid anymore. So then what happens? Well, their kid is just gr- like growing up with iPads, with screens, with TVs, and with other people and not feeling the love of their mother and the discipline of their father. They grow up entitled and bratty, and then they grow up uh, with Tumblr, with Snapchat, and now with TikTok. Um, and now they don't even know what gender they are. So that's why, that's why I'm so passionate about the family because I see all the brokenness and all the chaos and a lot of the confusion happening in society. And I look at that, and it's really a departure from Christian morals and from the family and just to prioritize career over family. And so that's why I'm really passionate. That's why I speak out a lot about this stuff. Commonly. Now, I have two more questions because I don't want my podcast to go over an hour because I want people to be able to intake everything at one time. You know what I'm saying? Don't miss nothing. This question is simple right here. What is your IQ score being uh, Asian, Chinese, whatever you are? Um, <laughs> Same thing. What's, what's up? Hey, Lindsay, thank you so much. What the word? I think somebody donated 100 bucks. Yo. Yo. Thank you so much. What the world? But yeah, what is your IQ score? I don't know. I've never taken an IQ test, so I don't know. We, we should get you to take an IQ test live and see if it's higher than mine. Is it, is it Can you take it like right now? Is it, does it take a while? <laughs> I mean, it can. It takes like 20 minutes. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. My IQ score kind of high. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, 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 not, I'm not like the rest. Uh, I'm not like a, you know. Well, that's why you left the Democrat plantation. Man. <laughs> the Democratic plantation. I mean, that's what so, it is, man. So, so, so true. The last question, though, and then you can shout out whatever. This is a very important question, though. This is a question I will ask every single one of my guests. What is your message? And I'm going to give you comparisons. I'm going to give you the same comparisons I gave Dalton. And you're going to be like, whoa, I know. Mm-hmm. So, like, Hitler, for example. He's known for specific speeches. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And them speeches are like, I like if you're into that, it's iconic Hitler speech. Like Martin Luther King, he has that iconic I have a dream speech. Or uh, Malcolm X, he has an iconic speeches. You know, even Trump has some speeches that's pretty iconic. Not tell you to give me a speech, but if you could summarize your entire goal, what is your message that you need to get across? What are you fighting for? What is commonly in this for? What is it, bro? Um, well, just the great commandments and the great commission, right? So it's uh, to love God with all, with all my might, mind, heart, soul, strength, everything, and to love other people and to make disciples of all nations. And so that's really what it's about. And so I think a lot of people, and I want to encourage a lot of people in the chat and everyone who's listening that, you know, conservatism without Christ is dead because that's what founded America and that's what made America so great. And that's what allowed America to thrive and prosper. And Christianity was also what allowed America to make good progress in the sense of abolishing slavery. That was a Christian 
movement. Um, and people say, oh, no, there's a lot of Christians who had slaves. Well, they, the, the genuine ones treated them well, but on top of that, they literally had slave Bibles where they would leave out passages in the New Testament and in Exodus and all that stuff that talk about liber- like, like freeing the slaves and God freeing the slaves and how to treat slaves and things like that. So um, it was a Christian movement. It was a deep-rooted Christian movement, um, like, for example, slavery. And so Christianity is the reason why America was so great and all the good progress we made in this country was because of Christianity. And all the families that we've had and all the innovation also was because, due in part, because we felt an obligation to love each other, to better each other, to better our communities. So all these things, all the good things that came out of America because Christianity. Again, you don't have to be a Christian. I'm not saying you don't, ha- you, don't have to be, you don't have to be a Christian to be an American, but the reality is that your eternity matters more than your temporary life here. So I want everyone to realize that you know, Christianity is not just some um, convenient moral system that allows for prosperity and joy and fulfillment in life but it's, also, it's literally the only reason for living. Like, <clears> Jesus <throat> is, the, is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other uh, way to the Father except through him. So that's my message that, you know, conservatism, political solutions are all good. Like, I, I am, I am an authentic conservative. I do believe that we have to use all means to uh, steer society to embrace virtue and to want good. But at the same time, political solutions are only temporary band-aid for a spiritual problem. And, and so if people don't turn to Christ, if this re- nation doesn't repent of their sins and if there's no revival, then all our political solutions, all the voting that we do, all the campaigning and all the culture war battles that we do uh, engage in, those are all meaningless. And so truly know Christ, truly live for Christ and love Christ and glorify him in everything that you do. And I do believe that, um, you know, things will get worse before it gets better. But that's my message because. You know, this is only only temporary. We don't even know if we'll live to see tomorrow. Uh, maybe, you know, some psychotic person in some other nation wants to nuke us and we all die. But the reality is if we're in Christ, then we're secure. And so that's the most important thing. So I could sum that up by saying make America godly again. That's the true MAGA if you ask me. Um, I, I do have another question before before we get out here. What's what's your views and thoughts on 2024? How are you feeling about Trump, DeSantis? Biden is obviously atrocious, uh, worst president of my my <laughs> personal lifetime. I can't speak about what happened before me. Uh, what is your view politically moving forward? Um, I think Trump's the only option. Um, I, I really didn't like his whole uh, promotion and pushing of the vax, but. The reality is DeSantis isn't running in 2024. Uh, we all know he isn't. And so I, I don't know who else would be good um, other than Trump because all the other politicians are rhinos. And they're just like losers, really. <laughs> they don't really do anything. Um, but I, I really think really Trump. I, I think it'd be hilarious and actually pretty awesome if DeSantis was president and Trump was Speaker of the House. That'd be super funny. <laughs> um, but I think Ron DeSantis is someone that I really do respect, and I think he is very based because he doesn't care what the media says about him. He pushes through legislation. He calls out the media and the hypocrisy, and he's good at what he does. Um, and so I do believe that he is definitely presidential material for the future, but I do believe in the immediate future that I do believe that Trump has learned from a lot of his mistakes with uh, Jared Kushner and a lot of the um, just the establishment deep state people and just that's been in the federal bureaucracy bureaucracy for so long and i so i think he has learned his lesson in that regard but yeah i I mean i'm just i'm just hopeful that um a lot of people are waking up and that a lot of people are and 
uh, the conservative movement are waking up and then abandoning the libertarian view of small government and it's the only thing. Like, I do believe in um, getting rid of a lot of the bureaucracy, like getting rid of a lot of the federal agencies, uh, cleaning out the State Department, all that stuff. Like, I agree with all of that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like we have to also have to learn and be okay with wielding power for the betterment of society. Because the left does this, and they understand power politics, which is why they win. So yes. we got to be able to do that too. And it's not oppressive because we know what's good because we know our theology and our politics are, are rooted in the Word of God. So we know what is yes. right. We know what is true. And so we shouldn't be afraid. Obviously, don't force things. Don't force people to accept Christ, but to steer and use political power, wield political power to steer society uh, to you know crush evil, uh, enact justice, and steer society to embrace virtue and keep families intact again. I love it. Kangman Lee, ladies and gentlemen, to end it, give me your favorite Bible verse and then tell them where to follow you. Your favorite, favorite Bible, Bible verse. verse. Um, has to be the last verse of John uh, where John writes that like Jesus did so many greater things than this, uh, but if I wrote all of them, that there would be no room uh, in the whole world to, you know, encapsulate all of that. So I think that's just very powerful to know that, like, Jesus, even in his three, ha three and a half years of ministry, um, was so impactful to the point where, like, we all know. And, like, the nations will all know. They will all repent, and they will all know that he is king when he comes back. And so uh, just, just, like, just three and a half years of ministry. So that's why I also want to encourage people, like, Jesus did what he did in only three and a half years of ministry. So if you walk out in faith, and you step out boldly, God can use you very powerfully um, to impact the world, to save souls, and to turn people back to Christ. And what? where can people follow you, Kongman? Yeah, um, most accounts, the Kongman Lee. I'm on everything, like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, everything. <laughs> I hate the, TikTok. The Kongman Lee, T-H-E-K-A-N-G-M-I-N-L-E-E. -E. Yes, sir. Hey, look, gang, gang, let's get out. Let's probably be champion at eighth grade. Don't play with me, bro. <laughs> you feel me? Listen, y'all, that was the Great Area Podcast. Shout out to my guests for coming on, man. Uh, shout out to everybody for watching. God bless y'all. Shout out to uh, the lady that donated another $100. Like, I don't know what you are doing. You can stop now, though. Please stop. <laughs> I love y'all. God is good. Of course, y'all know a lot of my favorite Bible verses. But, of course, I'm in with my favorite one, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. That is the Great Area Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Let's